Welcome to Story Shaped, the podcast about the stories that shape us and have the power to change the world. I'm Susan Cahill, debut children's author, and my co-host is the seasoned and wonderful children's author Sinead O'Hart. Together, we'll be taking you through some deep dives into the books that shaped us and interviewing other writers about their favourite and most influential stories. We hope you'll enjoy Story Shaped. Hello, 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 Story Shapers. Um, We are back for a brand new episode. And today we have the absolute pleasure of welcoming the one, the only, the amazing Vashti Hardy to Story Shaped. Vashti is an award-winning and amazingly prolific author, which is great news for her fans, of which I am one. Um, She has a background in education, um, having been a primary school teacher for several years. Um, And Vashti maintains a love for encouraging children's writing and creativity through the use of free writing, um, journals, and creating fantasy worlds. She has a first-class honours teaching degree with an English specialism and an MA in creative writing from the University of Chichester. Um, her books, um, of which I could I could spend all day reciting them all, there's so many, um, she, they're published oh, worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> they're Sorry. published worldwide um, in many languages, and among the awards she has won are included um, the Blue Peter Book Award in 2020 um, and the FCBG Book Children's Book Award. She has also been shortlisted for the Waterstones Children's Book Prize and the Books Are My Bag Awards, among others. And her books include the Bright Storm series, uh, Wild Spark, Crowfall, the Harley Hitch series, all published by Scholastic um, Children's Books, and the Griffin Gate series published by Barrington Stoke. And it is our honour, our supreme honour, to welcome Queen Vashti to Story Shaped <laughs> Headquarters. <laughs> Yay! Vashti, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's to be here. I bow down at you two ladies. <laughs> I'm so, I'm just, yeah. You know, any chance to chat books, basically. <laughs> Story. Exactly. Yeah. You're uh, in the right place. Uh, other women is just fabulous as well. So thank you for inviting me. I feel very honoured. You are very welcome. No, it's a pleasure to have you. I mean, I'm a huge fan of your work, as as you know. As I am yours, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I just, I find you amazing that you're so, you're so, I suppose prolific is the word we use, but also you're, the, the quality of the stuff that the work you put out is so high consistently. You're just such a brilliant writer. Um, and I don't know, I just, I'm amazed at the amount of work that you're able to put out and the the brilliance of the work that you put out. And how, basically, Vashti, what's your secret and how do you do it? Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> I think, do you know what? I think I'm just really um, tenacious. <laughs> like a dog with a bone. I will not let go of something. <laughs> I, do you know what? I think the secret is when you love something so much, isn't it? Like we all do. We obviously mm-hmm. we're here because we love stories and books and that is fuel to our fire um, is storytelling and exploration. And um, it's just the best job in the world. So, you know, when when you know you would do something despite the fact that you're, you know, we all have to pay the bills and, you know, mm-hmm. we need to be paid for it. But I would, you know, even if I was doing another job, I would still be write, writing as well and exploring things creatively through, yeah. you know, any, you know, not just maybe through words. I think maybe I would have been an artist or something or um, I don't know, being creative in some other way. But 
I, th- I just think creativity is so important to me and that drives me to want to write better and do better and you know you're being very lovely about my stories that's <laughs> nice of you but do you, you know like I think as a writer we're quite hard on ourselves aren't we and mm-hmm. for me I'm always thinking right how can I push myself further how can I write better stories what can I explore um where can I dig more deeply and go into more depth and um kind of you know what's yeah what's next on the horizon um and what possibilities could be out there so that yeah that does drive me that's amazing yeah I totally agree with you about the importance of creativity I think it's really it's just the most vital thing to to, I suppose to encourage and and nurture in 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 everybody but in you know if we if we if we have have an opportunity I suppose as as writers or as people who might be seen as creative people mm-hmm. you know to encourage it in others you know it's it's really it's really important and I always try and remember when I'm talking to children you know to emphasize the importance of a creative mind not being just something that you can use to make art or stories but like a creative mind is a mind that can sort of create anything or can be you know that can be that, that can stretch to encompass invention or discovery or you know that you can use it to and as you and you're you know I'm sure you're the same because your your stories um you know your um your Harley Hitch series, you know, have a great focus on STEM, you know, and, and um, engineering, mathematics and science, you know, and I know that's important to you too, to encourage children mm-hmm. to be thinkers, creative thinkers, but not necessarily artistic creative thinkers, but scientific and engineering creative thinkers. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just as, just as vital. Um, I love, I love those books and they're really, um, my little girl loves them as well. So thank you very much for those. That's great to, to <laughs> yeah. know. And I think that's another thing about writing, isn't it? It's, it's a way of putting all the things that you love into exploring them in in through the vehicle of story um and I always say when I visit children in school I'm always I'm always sort of asking them to dig deep into what they're interested in mm-hmm. and use that as a source for their stories because it then it never feels I mean it's always hard work but it never feels like hard work when you're exploring things that you naturally gravitate towards yeah. um so for me things like science uh invention you know that that kind of side of things um interests me as well as you know politics and (laughs) you know lots lots of different things can can be explored through story yeah so so what what was your first encounter with story or what are the earliest stories you remember having an impact Um, on you well you know I expect a lot of people would say it's you know they're their parents or whoever they live with reading to them from a young age I cannot remember my parents reading to me at all in fact they didn't we didn't have many books in our house um so it might you know I'm not I'm probably not your stereotypical writer reader because it it didn't sort of permeate in our house you know they didn't do it not because they were they weren't being mean they they it just wasn't on their radar so for me it was as soon as I went to school that I discovered books and story it was great teachers in fact this my um, infant school as it was then Manor Hall Infant School our head teacher Mrs Fitzsimmons would read stories every single assembly to us I think they were mostly my naughty little sister stories oh, I love them. Those. yeah me too like it was and and I it just um, I remember running into my infant school when I went for a taster day because all of a sudden all these worlds were opened up to me and I was like this this is great I want to be here this is an amazing 
amazing place and the teachers read great stories um and they took us to the library first time I went to the library and I remember the librarian sitting and reading um I think it's a hungry caterpillar <laughs> which we all know Classic. Like, it's brilliant you can stick your finger in the holes of this book and everything um and also when I was growing up you know we weren't we we didn't have much money we didn't have money to go on holidays particularly anywhere fancy so for me using my imagination was my little way of holidaying I suppose uh, exploring you know teleporting to these other places through story was was like my way of adventuring and um books gave me that and I was thinking like you know books they're tiny aren't they you know like a book so it's a little little thing like that yeah in that space think where you can go it's just it's magic isn't it also like 26 letters of the alphabet and and some punctuation that's our toolkit yeah think of what you can do with it think of the worlds you can build and the places you can go so um I had one teacher in particular uh Mrs Arnold she was called and she um had curly wild hair played the guitar one of those <laughs> and she I bought love her. oh she was she was great right a bit of a hippie she was definitely and she she read us Rebecca's World which have either of you heard of Rebecca's no, World what's no, Rebecca's World so it's not in publication anymore although weirdly you can buy the audiobook um oh. but um it was written by Terry Nation who wrote for adults I believe as well uh but he I think he he wrote for Doctor Who and he was apparently he came up with the Daleks oh. no Daleks but he wrote sorry that's my my little granddaughter so Terry Nation wrote Rebecca's World and his only children's book he obviously had a great imagination and it was about a girl Rebecca who uh, magically teleports through her dad's telescope mm. to another planet and goes on this amazing adventure there's a map love a book with love maps. maps love maps and stories she she break there's this really nasty uh man Mr Glister he wears these sparkly kind of suits he's really smarmy like he reminds me of like a smarmy politician he's all like oh good villain good villain on the inside he's horrible you know he's he's got the sort of teeth that that do that that sort of cartoon sparkle <laughs> oh yeah brilliant uh, and he has a map uh, there are no trees left in this world because he's chopped them all down to fire his furnaces to build these this glass palace and to build ghost shelters because there are ghosts in this world um and so he he charges people when the ghosts raid and as a siren goes off he charges them to stay in his shelter that's made of wood and wood is the only thing that kills the ghosts so he's 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 a proper capitalist yeah <laughs> This sounds amazing. Amazing. I can't believe it. I mean, it's such a short little story. I mean, I was probably, what, um, seven when she read this. So it's quite short, but you can tell that the the amount that's packed into it world building wise. Mm -hmm. And she breaks in, Rebecca breaks into Mr. Glister's palace, steals this map that shows the location of the last tree in that world. You know, proper eco story ahead of its time, Mm -hmm. I think. And she goes on a mission solving riddles to, to find this tree and to 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 kind of bring them back to this world and on the way she meets a group of she kind of picks up these unlikely um friends 
along the way. There's Captain K, who's a rubbish superhero, Grisby, <laughs> who is always moaning about his feet and he wears a great big green fur coat and he's always like, you know, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's hilarious and warm and funny and so imaginative. And I felt like she steps into this world and she steps into pink fog. And I could feel it when the teacher was reading it. I was there. I was beside Rebecca. I was in this pink fog and I was stepping into this world alongside her. And that's the moment that I remember thinking to myself, I want to do this. I want to give kids this feeling. I want to transport people into other worlds, Um, which I guess is why atmosphere is so important to me when I'm writing, because it's that feeling that that you that. I'm looking to create for a reader because that's the feeling that I got and is important to me when I read. So school, um, my long answer <laughs> to your short quest- question. No, it's a brilliant school. answer. Um, and I tell you the other thing that, that I was quite lucky with, my nan, we had a tiny house. There was like six of us in a two bed house. Um, and but my nan had quite a big house she had a great garden and in her attic she had uh, it was like an attic playroom that was my my mum and her brothers and sisters playroom when they were children so I had all their old toys and books in it and there were loads of annuals in there you know the the old-fashioned yeah like you know eagle annual and girl or whatever the bunty bunty (laughs) judy whatever they were called yeah Rupert and all this sort of thing that they would have had as as children. My so nana's we, house had those as well. Oh, like, yeah. Did you speak up and read them as well? Yeah, yeah, I loved them. And she had one called Misty, which was like kind of spooky stories, like an oh. annual of spooky stories, which was like that was my favorite one. Oh, I loved a spooky story when I was growing up as well. I love a ghost story. Um, yeah, so sneaking up there, reading those, and I think that made it really accessible. You know, the pictures, text working together. Um, yeah, just that that sort of feeling of escaping and um yeah being I, I I don't know I suppose you're you're kind of you're born into you no one can help what they're born into or um their circumstances or you know you kind of you awake in this body don't you you don't even choose your own name <laughs> true yeah you don't even choose your own name you're kind of you you're given you know there's a certain amount of identity that is is just put on you um I don't know if put on you is the right word but you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but then there's there's that discovery that we all then embark on of just you know working out who we are in our own autonomous way and what that means Mm -hmm. so for me reading then and I expect uh, you know I suspect for a lot of you know you writers as well um it's an it's kind of becomes an exploration of of discovery of who you are what you're about and what's deep inside you and and forming your own identity and so stories for me were a huge part of that process and actually now I think I don't think I've ever thought of this before I think that's probably why um I was always seen amongst my siblings as the as the independent kind of slightly feisty bonkers one because I used <laughs> I mean, my imagination was big and because because I it I you know I started to yeah be very firm about what I believed in and what I thought 
because of stories so stories literally did shape me yeah I was just going to say this is one of the best answers to the question that we actually didn't have last yes yeah which is are, how, are, how are you story shaped and you've beautifully beautifully answered it I love that I, I love yeah. that what you just said about you know being you know independent and, and having uh you know, having the, I suppose, the courage of your own convictions and, you know, feeling like yeah, you knew what you wanted to do and you want, you, you know, what you knew what you thought about stuff and you, you trace that back to, to, to reading stories and using your imagination. And that's, that is brilliant because I, I feel similarly about myself, actually, you know, um, but I've never, as you say, I've never actually thought about it that way before, mm. but it's probably, that's exactly true, you know. Um, yeah, it's so empowering, yeah. isn't it? It's really, and I think especially as a female, mm-hmm. um, you know, I grew up in the 70s. Uh, there was still, you know, even now there's a long way to go. But if you take something like um, science, mm-hmm. um, you know, the STEM sub- subjects, I think now, even now, it's still something like, you know, 22% of the workforce um, in the UK, I think, is female in the STEM workforce-ish Um you'll probably go and look it up if you're interested but it's something like that so there's still a huge way to go when I was at school I loved as well as stories I loved science and invention and imagining uh what could be so when when it came to doing my a-levels I signed up to do physics loved physics um still do and um had a great teacher who encouraged me and was like gosh dear have you thought about doing a level because you know you're good at this and I think you should and I was like oh wow you know as soon as you know what it's like as soon as someone's got your back that sometimes that, that's all you need and mm. I'm like I'm gonna do that signed up uh went along to the first lesson um and he, this teacher had moved to a different school in the summer holidays had another teacher walked into the class I was the only girl Mm-hmm. in a sea of boys <laughs> so it was just me mm-hmm. and I thought I don't like this I don't want to be the only girl in in this classroom and I'd lost my support system in that teacher and so I I kind of just I gave up and changed A-levels I did art history art and geography instead <laughs> um, Such a pity. that's a shame I, isn't it you know part of me looks back and think well, no, why didn't I just like with steely determination push on through and not worry about that but actually I have zero regrets because I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't made that decision and it fuels what I do it fuels having these quite strong stem females and creating a lot of my worlds um I usually have have a a bit of an a rule where in my world's gender hasn't been a barrier to achievement I guess mm-hmm. that's I, I wouldn't say I'd never do that because I think it could be just as interesting to explore explore that and and you know explore the issues of gender in in a fantasy world but I tend to explore other things and just have have this presentation of this is the world that I would like to see so I'm just going to present it as that and you could you, there's could be other issues going on in this world but but this isn't one of them. What would that be like? What would it look like if there had always been complete equality? Maybe that's, you know, because of nature of, of sexism things, maybe that's not, not it could never be a re- reality. Who knows? But it's interesting to put the questions out there, isn't it? And say, mm-hmm. what if it was like that? What would that be like? So yeah, my experiences um, 
in education have formed yeah what I write about I can't remember the question I'm so sorry here she is going off on another tangent I'm so sorry it's it's perfect no problem I'm just enjoying so enjoying listening to you I think the two of us could just sit here and just yeah listen listen to you for hours and hours yeah (laughs) yeah yeah this is amazing um yeah, I don't know what we were talking about either, but let's let's just let's just uh, that's I wish I wish that the the um the, the world that you're talking about there would was it had been a real thing or was ever going to be a real thing you now the this equality between the the sexes or the genders I mean you know as a parent as well you, you just you wish for that don't you for the future you know and yet you, you hope that we're building towards it and you'd, you'd hope stories like yours Vashti's you know would be hopefully you know uh, a building block towards towards that that future ever becoming a reality you know um it's depressing yeah, it's to think some... that so few sorry susan no it's, it's like cause it's so important to see what that would look like to see that yeah. that's a possibility to to see the way that 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 yeah like someone like adora vane just like i love adora vane i was just texting <laughs> yesterday i was like i love it so much um, isn't she the best villain you've ever read the best villain yeah yeah <laughs> See, um, I think she grew from Mr. Glister, probably. Like, oh, psychopath. yes, exactly. I was you thinking her, daddy. <laughs> when you're describing Mr. Glister, I thought, well, there's Eudora Vane, there's where she came from, you know, with the, the beautiful, polished uh, exterior, uh, hiding the dark, twisted interior. You know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, she's such a great character that Vashti has created. Uh, if you haven't yet read her Brightstorm um, series, which, you know, tut, 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 you should have by now because they're amazing. Um, uh, Eudora Vane is, the, is the, the big baddie in that series and she's incredible. She's just a beautiful, or not beautiful, she's a, but a beautifully, a beautifully constructed mm-hmm. character, I guess you could say. Uh, she's masterfully done. Um, but, There's uh, a quality yeah. for villains in fashion Equal- world. <laughs> equality for villains, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> equal opportunity. Yeah. E- equal opportunity, yeah, evil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that's great. <laughs> So it is like that though. Yeah. <laughs> Jets um, march for it, I'm sure. If they, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I just, I, I love, I love, uh, I love that. I love, I love her as a character, and I love how you've, you've, uh, you established how you know a beautiful like, exterior or a perfect exterior uh, doesn't doesn't always have to match with a perfect interior. Um, and I really think that's great because sometimes in stories, you know, you have the, the body looks like a body. You know, they they look they're, I don't know, there's 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 an exterior, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what the one I'm trying to say, but like they, they look imperfect on the outside, which reflects the imperfection on the inside. But I think I love, I love what you've done with your Doravain to, to turn that on its head and, and make it, make it the opposite. Yeah. It's really good. I think it's, it's important to be aware of that. And I know, um, like, um, you know, our mutual author, wonderful friend, Lorraine Gregory. Yes. With, um, with her first children's book, Mold and the Poison Flock. Yes. Uh, so the protagonist has a has a large nose and it becomes like his superpower. And I know she's she's very, she gets very kind of annoyed when she reads stereotypical, um, you know, baddies that have yes. the, the kind of, he had a big hook nose. And... Or, we, or, or, or a scar or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I hate, I hate that. Yeah. Features yeah. that, Yeah. And when I guess like there are periods in history when a great a big nose was a sign of you know strength or strength and whatever yeah <laughs> yeah it's, but... it's I'm always very aware of of that or I try to be yes mindful and and also play with the I think it I think the reason I I do love a, a bit of a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of thing is is because it reflects real life so mm-hmm. yes that's true yeah yeah so well I think especially uh yeah with some 
with with you know children are going to come across people in life that that maybe their intentions on the outside um are different to uh, what's going on inside yes <laughs> I think it's quite good to be aware of that yeah, I tried to do that myself as well in my own my own stories, but I don't think I've achieved it as well as you did. Oh, no, I think <laughs> you do that really well as well, I think, for sure. Yeah, um, I think Mr. 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 Cleet in The Starspin Web, my own book, I made yeah. a point of saying that he was very handsome, well turned out, sort of, you know, neat, neat as a pin type of a man. But at the end, or in inside, he wasn't as, he wasn't as good as he looked on the outside, um, you know, so it's, yeah, it's a useful, it's an interesting thing to do. Um, but certainly, yeah, it's very important, I think, and you're you're right to say, you know, that we should be mindful of how people are are described in books, you know, and how physical descriptions are are, are achieved, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've read I've read several um articles about how painful it is for people who might have, you know, limb difference or who might have, you know, facial deformities or whatever to to read, you know, bad that being a shorthand for evil in books. And it's been done so much in the in you know, in, in previous I suppose you know previous generations of stories have, have used that as a shorthand and it's really it's, it's something we need to phase out you know and, and it should it should have been gone a long time ago really so yeah, yeah. I, I like I like the way yeah that's been dealt with in, in your stories so yeah that's good to know thank you <laughs> <laughs> um so you had so you had Rebecca's World who yes which was like the book that and it's like so often I ask writers that we have on the podcast the question like was there a book that turned you into a writer and not not that many people can remember a book that turned you into a writer but you can you can remember the specific like yeah, moment that you're I like I have to do this yeah the exact moment that I, I as she was reading it was as Rebecca stepped into this pink fog I just had that feeling that I've got to do this um I even I actually remember the first time I could read independently oh tell us I about re- that I remember sitting, I mean, it was a really basic <laughs> book, you know, like we had our, you know, you have like so and Pippin James or whatever. Ours was Kathy and Mark were the, the stories, Kathy and Mark, and it was all about them. And I remember sitting down with this book and it it was um Kathy and Kathy and Mark uh went for a swim. And I remember looking at the words, following it with my finger, and it all just clicking together and thinking I get that I get the shape of that I get the phonetics of that I I get Kathy and Mark I can I know that on site Kathy and Mark went for a swim got it I know what that means we're going for a swim excellent I was like yes I can read I guess that's amazing like a real sense of independence then as well going back to what I was saying earlier like that that (laughs) sense of like I can do this and now now this whole these whole worlds have opened up to me yeah, I wish I could remember that. I wish I could remember that for me, because <laughs> I, I I read I started reading when I was when I was really young, and I don't rem- I don't ever remember a time when I couldn't read. No, um, I, w- I wish yeah, I wish I could remember that moment when it all unlocked, and I was like, oh, this is amazing! I can do this. That must be such a power and empowering and wonderful thing to be able to remember. Yeah, I think it is. You know, I think you know the more I kind of talk about it with with you both, the more I realize how empowered I was mm-hmm. by that how how it gave me the the keys to something that that I really appreciate that I had in my life and have in my life yeah um you know what a gift and, and the amazing thing is it doesn't cost does it mm. you, you you don't have to you know you can go to the library borrow books for free um 
your imagination I, I say this in schools when I visit all the time as well I'm, I'm like right you know your brain I make them scrunch up their hands so they can see like that's roughly the size of your brain and that's where your imagination lives you don't have to buy it you don't have to go to you know your local supermarket <laughs> that would be one million pounds <laughs> it's like it's a superpower that you've got your imagination you grow it through reading through stories no matter what you do if you end up you know if you want to be a scientist inventor uh fashion designer anything in life your imagination is your tool it's a great equalizer isn't it I mean mm. obviously there are um you know other economic factors at play that that children uh going to come up come across that will affect um you know their exposure to books their um prospects in life but you know it's the best leveler that I know the fact that we have you know an education system with teachers that care deeply about children and stories and bringing these into children's lives it's you know you never know you can't track that either can you You can't track the difference that one you know that Mrs Arnold probably doesn't know that she well she wouldn't have known the impact that she had on me by choosing that book um and sparking this journey it's you know if she hadn't have read that I probably wouldn't be sitting here now isn't that amazing yeah Yeah. the power of the the power that have, a story yeah. can have the power that a story told at the right time mm-hmm. can have that and person's I bet life you have that as as well um you know that moment those books those people yeah like yeah. if I hadn't if I hadn't read Elidor when I was seven I probably wouldn't be here either you know so there you go I mean it just got yeah it really does make me it makes me sort of amazingly it's just so emotional to think about you know how how powerful stories are how vital they are you know, and and how important it is to give everybody the same access to stories, like how it's we're doing people a disservice by, you know, or, you know, people are being done a disservice, maybe, you know, by being excluded or by being kept away from stories or being not not being given access. That's why libraries, I think, are there's such an amazing yeah. achievement of humanity, you know, and they should be defended to the death, you know, because they are just, as you say, they're 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 equalizers, aren't they? Like, I mean, a lot, mm. everybody walks into a library, everyone is given the same key to the universe and they're told, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you earn, what you have, we're all the same in a library, you know, and it's it gives everybody the same access to the entirety of human experience and knowledge. And it's it's so vital. Do you know what as well? I've just had this thought. When when you read a story, you know, you you're equal as well as as the as the reader when you enter that world mm. there's no privilege to there's no there's no reader that is going to is has any advantage do you know what I mean I, bet, I know what yeah, you mean that's really interesting that yeah um, like I always think of my readers or when I'm writing I I imagine they're like the secret stowaway in the pages so they're like if I'm writing like one of the bright storm um books I'm I'm imagining that you know they are the the secret member of the crew that is kind of there with them that that's not mentioned but they're there in the story like you're kind of you lead them in and kind of guide them and then and let go of their hand and off they go um and they're co-creating that world with you as well yeah 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 they are there's a magic space it's the Mm -hmm. it's the most amazing time travel isn't it really to who says time travel isn't possible of course it is because there's my brain that's written something I've let go of it and then somewhere in the future someone's 
in that space, the same space that I was in, but it's a slightly different space, like parallel universe space that they're exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. I always find that amazing to think about, you know, in no matter, say 10 people are reading the same book at the same speed, you know, but there are 10 different versions of that story mm-hmm. existing in those people's brains, you know, and I just find that so exciting, you know, that no matter, you know, I might imagine or an author might imagine a story in one way, but when they give it over to a reader, it's completely remade in that reader's own I suppose you know imagination in 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 how they see the world and Mm. I love that I just I wish there was a way that we could sort of have a little window into somebody else's imagining of something that we've written I was just thinking I'd love to know that thinking I would love to like with with like time tider I'd love to like (laughs) like I've got my version in my head I'd love to like zoom into your head (laughs) yeah yeah because we bring our own our own experiences to things of course yeah yeah um but then but then isn't it satisfying when you have um, a film or TV adaption of something that you've read yeah. and it feels right and true. Yes, yes. That would be very satisfying. I love that. Although equally it's annoying when they get it wrong. Quote, quote, yeah. Quote. Yeah. yeah. But I, I lo- that's why I, I loved the Lord of the Rings movies because I remember yeah. the first time we saw it was at uh, the, the Eye of Sauron. I was like, oh, that's exactly how I remember it or how, how I imagined it when I read the book. And I'm like, I'm looking at my own imagination. It's incredible. <laughs> so I love that. It was a great moment. <laughs> Yeah, I think like with with films, um, when you're thinking about the stories that have shaped us, for me, movies also played a mm-hmm. huge. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we like well, for me, I, Star Wars was had just come out at the cinema when I was growing up, and you know, I mean, still now that opening isn't it a long time. Yeah. The galaxy far far away. away yeah and I would just when I was at, I loved space when I was growing up as well and imagining how you know how the big bang could have come about and yeah what could be out there so I used to just love looking up and you know just thinking what could be out there what you know what places could exist what what different you know what different rules of physics could be out there um it's a great place to start uh, you know imagining a story world isn't it just yeah uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, far away. <laughs> i know it stretches everything out so much doesn't it really it? does yeah, yeah. I, I love thinking about the universe and thinking about the whole entirety of creation and I, I remember i wrote somewhere for somebody recently you know um i think sometimes people get freaked out by the idea of how small we are like how infinitesimally tiny we are in the whole space of creation you know or the whole space of the universe but I find it really comforting to know that we're a tiny little part of this amazing immensity you know um and that we'll never know it all it just there's always something else to be discovered you know and it gives me a great joy you know um yeah, yeah. and I remember I, I won a book about Halley's Comet when I was a little girl um and I remember thinking I just I remember reading it you know cover to cover and just being amazed just by learning you know learning all about space and about Halley's Comet and how often it comes around and you know what it was made of and just it really sparked off a, a love for space in me too that I still have I mean I, I don't have the I suppose the necessary skills in, in in maths and physics to be able to study it on any great level but I have the I have the interest in it you know and the, the curiosity about it um, and that's I think all you need sometimes really just the interest and the curiosity you know to be to be amazed by it you know yeah yeah I agree I think yeah it's it's just um I think like the other thing with films actually thinking about what they taught me story-wise that I've taken on board is the camera angle oh yeah I try and be really aware like that's it's one of the most important questions isn't it as a as a writer 
and I say this like if I'm if I'm doing like mentoring or anything of other writers it's like where where is the camera where are you choosing to put the camera not just where when as well so it's every scene that you're you're kind of entering into into when you're writing and you're you know the reader you're choosing where to kind of place them in the scene um and it's really important and, and sometimes you know when you read something and you can't quite feel it mm-hmm. or you're not quite yes. in it yes happens often, a lot to me yeah I think with, with misplacement of camera angles or, or things um, not being quite, them not navigating the reader through the scene effectively. So I'm, yeah. and I think films really make you aware of that because that's very obviously present. Is there is a physical camera? We don't have a physical camera, but it's it's um, you know obviously we we can get inside characters' heads and things. So we've got extra tools that that filmmakers don't have but they have some that we don't have but you can also learn uh learn from those so I think maybe that's why I I think um or create quite visually and atmospherically because movies kind of they they hand feed you the atmosphere in a way because it's there it's decided what Mm -hmm. you see going back to what we were saying you know the way that we see a world it's there laid out for you it's not very it's not very active on the on the it doesn't require sort of active imaginative engagement like reading does um whereas when you're writing that's our job to create it we haven't got the tools of having a a big film score to accompany it we don't (laughs) have the lighting uh and we don't have the actors and the setting and the scenery we we are doing it with our 26 letters of the alphabet <laughs> like here you go like people would say we were mad wouldn't they if they said right here's your toolkit here are 26 <laughs> letters of the alphabet a few so full stops yeah, yeah semicolon yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, few, a few speech marks <laughs> spaces spaces yeah. really important spaces are important like too space. yeah. <laughs> oh do you know that yeah there's, do you know what there's a lot of parallels we could go quite deep on the kind of the, the yeah how important the spaces in between yeah. Oh, uh, because yeah, when you're describing something, it's often what you leave out that mm-hmm. that says volumes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But we we're creating all that. We're we're thinking about the lighting, the camera, the um, the script, the the atmosphere that we're creating, and that you know, it's no mean feat, is it? I think if you could wire up a writer's brain, you would see explosions, fireworks of you know neural synapses sparking <laughs> and, and going wild when we're writing because I think we're, we must be using so many different areas of our our brains um when we're working it feels I don't know does it feel like this to you like I always think of it in a way like if you had a million piece jigsaw puzzle <laughs> oh god right, <laughs> what, that would take a long time imagine if you had that and then someone upended the box and tipped it on the floor and you don't actually have a, the complete picture of what it's meant to be even. And mm-hmm. then you're looking at the jigsaw and go, okay, so this is kind of what I want to think it will look like. And I need to, right, let's start with the corners. Let's put those in. <laughs> kind of and then you start to piece it together. And then eventually, eventually you have your, your finished book at the end. And that's that's like, a great analogy. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. It's messy, isn't it? It's a messy yeah. process. 
I find jigsaw is really hard. So that's probably why I find writing really hard too. <laughs> it's hard. It's really tricky. Well, always start with corners. It's always good advice. Yeah, edges in the corners. Edges in corners. Yeah, places yeah. where the plot turns. Yeah. And some writers are there, you know, they don't even know where it's going. They're there actually, you know, carving out the jigsaw as they go. Yeah. Me <laughs> too, if that, if that works for you. But um, it's amazing how there's so many different, <laughs> so many different, um, uh, approaches to it you know I think everyone everyone has their own way of doing it probably but gosh that sounds like yeah that your analogy is spot on a million piece jigsaw that you don't have a picture for that's what it feels like a lot of the time I think I'm probably more like I'm carving the pieces out as I'm going along as well I don't even have the pieces <laughs> I love that though I really admire when people can can do that and that, do you know what I think that's a lot of, of as well it's struck um trusting that deep story instinct yeah have yeah um, because there is a balance isn't there mm-hmm. in writing between um head and heart of of kind of that active thinking about where the plot and characters are going and how it all knits together and actually trusting that somewhere deep inside we instinctively know things because we're story beings and if mm-hmm. you read a lot when you're growing up and you continue to read a lot um and just as humans um, that is how we're shaped. Um, if even if it's just from you know your your relatives telling you, you know great grandma June telling you about about the story of her childhood and things, it's how we kind of learn and experience and carry history. So um, I forget my point, but no, again, you're like you're right on right on topic. <laughs> Absolutely, but like I love that idea of the deep story structure. What else? What else is in your deep story structure? Um, I think I'm always like, um, as far as like my story's going, I'm always trying to think how everything knits together and how it works as a whole. Um, because you have that, that sense of, you could, especially when you create fantasy worlds, you can, you could tell any number of stories, can you, in any point in time in your world. So part of the the art of it is making a decision on what's the best story to tell at that particular moment for you and and the character and how it works together um but yeah the right thing at the right time so um so for that that kind of all all comes into it as far as like the structure of the story and on a more kind of um philosophical <laughs> level with me as a writer and and like what structures me I think um I do work instinctively on the things that I love and explore them like that so I'm very half head heart with my stories um but I always it starts from a point of something that I love that I think what could I bring to that that would be something that I'd be naturally interested in so like for like this one of the stories I sorry I waved this around earlier but this Pamela Oldfield her ghost stories I don't know who was Pamela Oldfield I don't know that book but this is really like this do you know what it's got a brilliant like 70s it's, 80s cover it's so all, 70s 80s the cover is library service oh, oh very good <laughs> I think I'm overdue <laughs> I've really really loved it because I didn't give it back <laughs> I, oh. I have a couple um, of those too I should probably not admit that in public but yeah go on <laughs> it's got like really short it's a collection of short stories um 
that I love I mean I like spooky stories I don't like anything too gory or scary mm. but a little bit of spook ghosts and other worldly things always fascinate me and um there are some great stories in in this so I when I was you know I always wanted to write a ghost story um which you can probably tell with Wild Spark my second mm-hmm. book um that's where it started from I just was like I want to write a ghost story but I want to do it in my way in, in an unusual way or a, yeah a way that's never way. been done before yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay what if I mix it with um with technology and invention okay that I can get on board with that so the ghost in the, ghost in the machine <laughs> ghost yeah. robots equals and you're off you're just you've got a million questions then so what would that society look like how would people treat treat them um do they have any memories um what sort of prejudices does it um bring out of society and what's the technology like what's this world like like what are the things that are like this world what's different and you're off so um starting I think whatever whatever shaped you as a as a child you can't help but kind of bring that into your own work and start exploring it in all new and different ways and things so yeah yeah I think that's what I'm that's what I'm interested in is like what what are the stories like like those that Pamela Oldfield ghost stories and Rebecca's world and Star Wars what are the other stories that form part of the deep story structure because when we were talking about Hounds of the Morrigan um you said without that book you'd fall apart like that book is a fundamental part of your deep story structure so yeah what are the fundamental because I use the analogy like it was like a a tentpole you know that holds me up as a person so if uh if the Hounds of the Morrigan this is one of these books if it was taken away my whole tent would just hit the deck so if if you could think of books that would be like your tentpoles actually that if one of them was taken away you would just Um, fall over can you think of any maybe it's really hard to pick just one but well um, I mean you can pick more than one tentpoles a tentpole not at least held up with one yeah loads of tentpoles I can see my door's about to go I'm gonna just sorry I'm gonna quickly just say daughter answer the door Sorry, it's okay. No worries. Right, hopefully. Oh, someone's upset. Um, yes, (laughs) I think so. I love John Wyndham. Um, do you remember Chucky at all? I think it was a TV series as well, but it was a book, um, about a boy who, uh, is I can't, I find it hard to remember the details, but he there was an like an alien presence who became Chucky, who was his, um, yeah was a friend and the family were thinking he was like losing his mind and um but it had those kind of elements of science and space and what if and um John Wyndham Day of the Triffids yeah so these those sort of stories that were um twists on on our world and what if this happened in our world and what if there was a slight shift here or there um they kind of they're probably one leg of my (laughs) (laughs) your tent (laughs) you know the sci-fi kind of books the the others would be you know things that very atmospheric that maybe I came to later so um Rebecca Mm -hmm. atmospheric yeah yeah, you know it's 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 it just draws you there instantly, doesn't From it? From the first line, like the opening yeah. line, and you're you're in. 
absolutely and I yeah. captured the castle as well yeah, I love oh, that. Oh, oh, I love that we book. have to do a deep dive in that book I love yeah, it so much so, so good. again it, brilliant just, first line yeah yes again, isn't it which shows you how important it is mm. to draw the reader in straight away from that that um that initial moment of you know and you can and it shows it's you can do it you can instantly set the tone for what's to come and yeah. it's crucial to do that as soon as possible set the tone margaret atwood i listened to something she was talking she was talking about creating stories and that first the introduction to the main character that first chapter and she she described it as trying to get the quintessence of your character into that first, into that first line yeah. yeah so it's like what what yeah what is it that that is the quintessence of your character and you know that's how you navigate into the story which I loved so they those books you know they they kind of gave me that that sense of of atmosphere world building and um placement so that's another side <laughs> to my <laughs> kind of like the Jane Eyre's the that sort of thing you know that wholehearted uh you know being on board with the world and characters and you know by world building I don't mean fantasy worlds necessarily mm-hmm. you know I'm a big fan of all sorts of writing it's more about atmosphere for me so there's that strand and beautiful writing as well obviously that of that's course yes <laughs> then um there are things like um the the sadly late and great Marcus Sedgwick oh. um, when I was first learning to write and taking it seriously probably about 20 years ago um started reading Marcus's work and um it was really the camera angles and that that I I used to really like try and pick apart what he was doing that was giving me this this different senses of maybe a sweeping um vista and then drawing me into something really Mm -hmm. small and um so that I learned a lot from from looking at his work so there's a type of books like that that I would analyze and there was another one that was a book we studied I think it it was for GCSE called The Cone Gatherers by Robin Jenkins I think have either of you no um amazing it's kind of that third person uh but omniscient so you there is this movement between different characters and so you get this full full picture I'm a big fan of of third omniscient kind of viewpoints and as a writer because I love the freedom that it gives me to Mm. play with and do different things you know I'm a fan of great first person and any type of writing and tenses if it's if it's if it's uh, the best way to serve a story Um, but I think third that kind of having that third omniscient point point of view fascinates me and in the cone gatherers it's set um I think it's I can't remember which war it's during but there there's one of the world wars I think possibly I, actually I don't know which one it is but it's set on an estate in Scotland and um there are brothers that are gathering cones um to I guess to reseed forests because mm-hmm. the forests are being chopped down to use in the in the war effort and 
it's about class and prejudice and um, one brother is um, has a um, deformity that um, kind of then the gamekeeper becomes fixated on this on this this boy Callum and but it the because Robin Jenkins takes you into spend spending time with the baddie Jura at clever points in the story mm. you start to unpeel and understand what's driving his feelings and his hatred and and the, there are other things going on in his life and it's how it all knits together so cleverly but it, again it's these camera angles and where what he's choosing to show the reader mm-hmm. and why at different points and times in the story is really masterful and I think um that's something I I you know continue to be fascinated by and think I can just keep pushing in my own writing and just want to get better better at and learn more about so that's probably my third I, I've probably got several hundred <laughs> yes but they're they're three excellent that's okay. an amazing that sounds like an amazing book that the cone gatherers I mean I love no. that idea that uh the author would take you through the the the, the baddie like the, the 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 antagonist sort of mental state or, or their motivation and give you a real clear idea of why they're why they are who they are and why they do what they do that's such a fantastic like I mean I know we should all ideally be doing that in books you know what I mean but that to, to do it so clearly and to do it so cleverly that's that sounds amazing and a real really good text to use I suppose as hence he did it for in school it's a really good text to use as a teaching tool you know to show show people how, how stories work so no wonder your stories are so well structured and I know I feel um, like we're getting a yeah, Vashti Hardy a master class here yeah. writing sure yeah. how it works in my my brain but also things like I just remembered another one there was um and this was the same English teacher who weirdly um I went to a book launch last night of a great friend of mine um Kate and she I'll show you her book at the end um she <laughs> we both found out we had the same English teacher at school That's we amazing. met on uh on a right my first writing course we that I did 20 years ago she was on that at Sussex Uni um we've always kept in touch since then are really good friends but we had the same English teacher and I think there was a little bit of magic that he was doing that stoked our fires as well in secondary school. He gave us all writing journals and things that he didn't mark that we had complete freedom over, read good and things. Another one that he he brought in was called Zed for Zachariah. Um, which have you either of you I know it, but I haven't never I think I've read heard it. that yes, I've heard that of that book, but I've never read it yet. I found it on my shelf, but I've never read it. Oh, so that like there's a I think it's diary form from memory. So first person diary entries and she uh, she it's kind of post nuclear kind of disaster mm-hmm. and where she lives. There's a bit it's a bit of a oasis, a sheltered valley that has somehow escaped it. So their water supply is still um, not ra- radioactive. It's it's OK. Um, gradually, her, her family have gone out to try and see what they can find beyond and no one's come back in the end and she's on her own and she's been on her own for a while. And then she sees a, a trail of smoke in the distance and every day it starts to get nearer and nearer to her. So she ends up kind of hiding and then watching and this other character comes in who's in full on radiation suit and everything. But the thing that was interesting to me about that, apart from you know thinking about different ways 
to tell a story and different perspectives and choice in why that's the best way to tell a story or why it's an interesting way to tell a story. Um, it was great on that part, but the ending as well, it didn't have, it doesn't have a, um, you're, you're not told really what happens to mm. a certain extent, you know, but the way it's left with her, um, you know, giving spoilers, I'm sorry, I block your ears if you don't want to spoil it, but she, <laughs> she steals the radiation suit and she ends up leaving this, the other, the guy that comes into the valley and she goes off into the unknown in, in the suit. So you don't know if she lives, dies, survives, what she finds. Um, but but it, it kind of made me think a lot, that story on the different ways of exiting a story and mm. how that makes you feel as a reader and that there, it doesn't, always have to be completely tied completely up, tied up. I, actually, I actually love stories that don't have a complete closure like that or a complete resolution and that give you the give the reader the idea or give the reader the freedom to sort of imagine what makes you more active what might it? happen yeah, yeah I, I think there's sometimes they're really really effective it yeah, does. yeah as long as there's you know there has to be you know an element of closure obviously yes. I yeah. think but it doesn't always have to be neat or neat that you don't have to always give all the answers sometimes there are stories um where you are given all the answers and that could be beautiful and true to the story but not every story works like that um yeah. and sometimes it's it's good to be unexpected I guess with some like my stories I don't tie things up I don't always give the readers what they think is going to happen because I think that's true to life that's so like form, case in point you know they mm-hmm. don't uh again <laughs> block your <ears. laughs> don't spoil your own books <laughs> they, they, they don't find their dad alive and I think most people would probably expect that I would have would have they would have found him and had that mm-hmm. happy ending but they didn't but the point is they found family yeah. in the crew of the aurora and in a different way and um that was important to me that it showed that you know family can be made up of all sorts of different things and even when bad things happen and you're not born into uh something that you're proud of your daughter vain you know there there is it's about what how you shape yourself um which linking back seamlessly <laughs> to the start of our as though we had it all Lorraine beforehand <laughs> yes <laughs> how you know stories giving you that autonomy that you do have choice you can shape yourself yourself and wow what a big part stories are in that that journey and art just art in general I guess yeah yes yes that's a brilliant way of like I guess starting to wind this episode up even though I don't want to stop talking to you Ashley (laughs) lovely let's do it again (laughs) let's just stay on on this and just just chat forever (laughs) about stories (laughs) it's lovely it's such a lovely world to be part of and I yeah I just love I love the fact that the 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 journey of of creativity never ends or stops there's all you can always improve you can always explore different things I think that's why I like writing through the ages as well um each one requires a different sort of skill set in different ways but um oh, yeah I should have said at the start that you have your baby picture books coming out this year oh, as well yeah, yeah that yeah. was a challenge because yeah. I, I you know obviously I'm very 
you know, um, in awe of uh, pitch book authors and it is a specialist absolutely super specialist so I was very mindful of that when I when um when my editor was like oh have you got any ideas for a pitch book I was like yes I have here we go (laughs) what can I do but I thought it was a challenge to kind of exercise my writing muscles in a different different way so that was wonderful but like now the things I'm working on I'm really mindful like I'm doing I've got more middle grade for next year but um I'm working on a YA at the moment as well and it's it's not contracted yet or anything and for me that's such an exciting place to be in like like I'm not this is I'm not writing to contract um this is just me pushing myself creatively and thinking where do I want to go what's my next challenge um you know I I want to do something that's a bit more meaty in depth I want to write some teen romance I'm dying <laughs> in, a, in a teen angst <laughs> and romance and, and kind of get that in it you know all in 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 the kind of the, the Vashti kind of way whatever that that's is uh, wait I can't wait to read that well, Vashti, I feel like you're you're a psychic or because we don't we haven't really had to ask you any questions you've just answered all of the questions that we would have answered (laughs) or that we would have asked asked. yeah absolutely yeah you've preempted everything I mean yeah it's amazing I suppose we could we could briefly ask you at the the end although you have kind of already covered it but you know um how how would you hope your stories would shape your readers I know we don't we don't necessarily write from the point of view of of wanting to mold people in any particular way and we certainly don't want you know moralistic messages in in our books or whatever but if you if if you were to hope that your readers would take anything from your stories what what would it be I think it's that empowerment of um you know just despite the hand you're dealt or you know maybe you're dealt a very you know comfortable hand which Mm -hmm. great but then then you know put yourself in that place of discomfort and see what happens go out try something fail or if you've got barriers in your way you know maybe you can come away from one of the stories and feel a little bit more brave or tenacious or empowered or um less alone or that if you're having a really bad day and you feel like you haven't got any friends you know find the friends in the book uh for a while you know mm-hmm. find your power in in that and then you know turn that into your own dreams and plans whatever that that may hold you know I just you know and if anything just just have a great adventure for a while you know <laughs> just have get away from it all <laughs> yeah, have yeah, a, yeah. Have a, let your mind you know imagine anything's possible through being that secret character in the pages the stowaway yeah. I love that yeah. idea I, I yeah. guess that's you know there's nothing better is there than you know you two will know this that when you meet a reader and when they've read something of yours and they've really engaged with it and it's meant something to them you can I swear that you can actually see the twinkle in their eye is <laughs> cartoon spark is back but you can you can see it in their faces the way that they light up when they talk to you and that is magic isn't it that's 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 those moments are so precious and I feel so grateful that anyone <laughs> reads my stories it's like I've got to read it yes 
it's magic that when that happens so um yeah that's what i would wish really that they that or hope that that the children adults take from your books yeah yeah anyone because as we all know stories you know a good stories for anyone exactly even though we sit in this arena of children's books uh you know they transcend don't they the best children's stories do mm-hmm. transcend into something something else um accessible for everyone exactly yes i'm firmly of the belief too that children's books are not just for children they're for everybody and every single person would benefit from from reading children's books the the messages and the and the stories and the adventure and the fun and the everything that they have are are valuable no matter what age you are um but that's that's amazing that is just the most perfect interview i've ever i've ever done we did no work there i've just sat here listening most of the time all the work that was was the easiest interview ever (laughs) i was so quiet at school (laughs) me too i was really shy like we all come out of our shells don't we oh do you know what i was gonna do i'm gonna give you i'll tell you what i'm reading at the moment the things i've read quickly really good so i mentioned my friends my talented friend Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, Catherine Bradley. Oh, that's the, the yeah. launch you're at. So the sisterhood the started sisterhood. with this. Okay. And I'm not just saying this because it's my friend, but uh, I mean, look at this. Big Brother is watching, but they don't see her coming. So <gasps> oh, what a feminine retelling of Orwell's 1984. Okay, yeah. I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah. That's instantly. You know, yeah, Kate's always. Uh, and she's she's a uh, English teacher as well, so she she knows Orwell. She loves it really well. Um, she's always had this feeling like Julia's not even given a, a surname, is she? In, in 1984. Yeah. And that there's this missing part of the story to to her. Mm-hmm. So she she's she's written it and yeah, amazing. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, loving it. Um, she, when she first I met her and she told me the plot, I was my jaw just dropped to the floor. I was like, you are so clever. And she's a great writer. So I'm really proud of her. And yeah, so adult read, obviously. Um, but but great. Fantastic. Um, something that. else I've read recently. Adult <laughs> read, but great. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay for an adult book, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just twisting that because always it's like, oh, you write for children. <laughs> so um, also this wonderful oh, heard of that. Salisbury, yeah. Her Dark Wings. Her Dark Wings by Melinda Salisbury. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I adored it. Uh, absolutely adored. Uh, yeah, so this is YA. Um yeah, Melinda's great. So just yeah, uh, underworld, Hades, lovely mix of reality and uh, myth, and just delicious. Loved it. Um, yeah, that's a that was a great one. Uh, and this this uh, this is the proof. But this is the girl who broke the sea. Broke the sea. Oh yeah, um, Adam Adam Connors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we share an editor, so I luckily got sent this, but. Um, I loved films like The Abyss and Alien and things like that as well when I was growing up. This yeah, absolutely. Feel of the Abyss, like kind of set in a uh, a mining deep deep sea rig with teens and a kind of a just a, sound amazing a, yeah. an alien type entity that yeah down there. But it, I thought it was really fresh and uh, enjoyable. So that's the other thing I'm reading and. Awesome. I got given this book for Christmas. This is wonderful. This is wild um, tales oh, from. Oh, I want to read this. Sounds gorgeous. Because yeah, her first you... book was 
I haven't I want to read her first book as well it was called Storyland wasn't it oh I've not read that I think it's like it's tales from like older British tales because that's medieval isn't it yeah yeah yeah. oh that'd be I'll get that because this is I mean what a brilliant source for inspiration there's like I was reading one about like the the, these ancient burial mounds and just yeah that was something I'm enjoying at the moment it's amazing how everything goes back to the medieval period every every episode I managed to find a way to wiggle it in somewhere <laughs> yes as a medievalist Vashti I completely get yeah you know you're, you're super <laughs> I'm so excited as well for to just, you know see what you girls come up with well Susan's book is great I read it I read it I read it I read a draft of it anyway and it's uh, it's amazing so you're looking forward to that one well deep in deep in edits at the moment <laughs> Oh, we do get to that stage, don't we, as writers? It's like, yeah, no, I, I, I need to <laughs> write the end, get to the yeah, done it, put it to bed. It's a nice feeling, isn't it, when you can't do any more and you're like, well, it's it's kind of exciting but scary. It's that scare sighting phase, isn't it? <laughs> exciting, I love that word. <laughs> I can't do any more. The whole thing is just a scare sighting experience, the whole mm-hmm. writing process. <laughs> oh, do you know what I did, actually, with, with Brightstorm, when, when I got sent the proof for it, I was on the train going to some event or something and I opened it, started to read it, read it, thought, oh my God, can't, this is awful. Shut the book. <laughs> well, it, 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 gives me, it, it gives me, it gives me great pleasure, not pleasure, but comfort <laughs> to know that a, a person is accomplished as you, Rashti Hardy, would feel like that about her own proof because that's the way I am too. I just, my own work is like, oh my God, you know, when people, when actors say they can't watch themselves on screen, it's kind of the similar, I, I totally empathize with that because I feel like that about my own work so it's awful that we feel that way um uh, but it's nice to know that other people feel like that too yeah um, we, sh- we shouldn't think, because we're all brilliant so yeah I think so I think we can be super hard on ourselves but I yes. think the, the trick is if you turn that into fuel for your improvement fuel. is it sure yeah. yeah 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 and and you know who I think it would be a dangerous space to be if you were complacent and um egotistical about if you felt like you couldn't improve anymore that you had yeah, reached yeah yeah of course yeah, there's no no scope yeah. for no scope yeah, for growth that's, there yeah that's a bit of an ugly old trait isn't it and um yeah so I love the learning side of it and hopefully long may it continue exactly long may it continue long may it continue but on that more vashti books <laughs> we do <laughs> I'm so I, do you know what I'm such an oversharer with my ideas as well and I'm so dying to tell everyone about the YA, YA. <laughs> don't do it keep the secret keep it under your <laughs> house <laughs> first thing just to chat because I work out ideas through chatting so um so it's it's taking well, all my resilience don't to... don't do it on a podcast perhaps no so I won't <laughs> do, it, do it in private maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll be <laughs> later <laughs> But, but on that note we better call it a halt for today um but uh, it's just been such a joy and as i'm sure the listeners will agree we have had so much fun today talking to Vashti. it's been it's been amazing um and like we say to most of our guests and all of our guests you know we could talk to you all all day uh nothing is more enjoyable than speaking to other writers about books and the books that have shaped us and stories that have made us who we are um i just i love it i love it and this has been one of the most fun episodes we've had so thank you so much Vashti, for your yeah, time thank you. your, thank your you, expertise Vashti, because it has been like a master class and yeah. an amazing story 
I'm taking um, it all, taking absolutely. all your hints we're, and I'm we're, gonna we're take learning. them to my writing retreats and go, right, what do, what does Vashti say to do? What would Vashti do? <laughs> what would Vashti do? <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> absolutely. I'll make you one. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you so much for having me. And yeah, I really appreciate um your time and um yeah, happy writing, all of you. It's been amazing. It's been amazing to have you, Vashti. Thank you so much. Um, but until next time, Story Shapers, we'll say farewell and adieu. Um, and as as we always try to remind you, if you've enjoyed this episode and if you're enjoying the podcast, do try and give us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and do tell everybody you know about us, your friends, your enemies, your countrymen, your grandmother, whoever, uh, anyone who you think might enjoy talking about stories. Um, we are we are always willing and happy to receive new listeners. Um, so do help us to grow the podcast if you can. Um, and until next week, we should say bye bye. So it's bye bye from me. Bye-bye from me. And it's bye-bye from our radiant and luminous guest. Oh, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye (laughs) from Vashti. (laughs) Bye, everybody. You've been listening to Story Shaped with Susan Cahill and Sinead O'Hart. Follow us on Twitter at Story Shaped Pod. And don't forget to subscribe on the streaming service of your choice so that you never miss an episode. Music by Tony Betts.